heaven. And this thought dropped in my mind just as clear as a noonday sun. Turn with me to Psalm 27. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Of whom shall I be afraid? When the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh, they stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing have I desired of the Lord, that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all of the days of my life to behold the beauty of the Lord. The beauty of the Lord. To inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me in his pavilion. In the secret of his tabernacle shall he hide me. He shall set me upon a rock. Verse 13, I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage. And he shall strengthen thine heart. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. And now I should tell you what the Lord put in my mind. The power of unanswered prayers. You may be seated. I've heard it said... All of my life, God answers prayer three ways. My favorite is the first one. It's yes. And then the second one is, believe it or not, my second favorite. If I've got to choose between the last two, I'd rather have number two if I can't get number one. And that is no. At least I know. Don't have to wonder. I'm not left hanging in the balance. Then there's the third kind of way that God will answer you. That's what we're going to deal with tonight. Wait. He didn't really give you a clear answer. You might call it an unanswered prayer. Is this still hanging out there somewhere? 
You don't really know what's going to occur next. You just know he heard you. But you don't know how he's going to reply. Very difficult, the power of unanswered prayers. Why would God leave some prayers just waiting? We read to you a powerful chapter psalm. We're going to reread the verses that we read, verse 27, chapter 27, verse 1. The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the strength of my life. Whom, of whom shall I be afraid? The psalmist speaking here was David. And he said, the Lord is the strength of my life. He's my light and my salvation. In other words, he's my inspiration and he's everything to me. Is that how you feel about the Lord? A couple of you feel that way, okay. But then he goes on, he says, when the wicked, even mine enemies and my foes, came upon me to eat up my flesh. You know, the devil's going to attack you through your flesh. Nine times out of nine, he'll do it. That's still 100%. He's going to take careful aim at your flesh because he's had plenty of practice. Starting with the first Adam in the Garden of Eden. Yeah. It was the flesh. That appealed, he appealed to. And in our weaknesses, this is where we are at our most dangerous place. But yet we also find that Paul talks about when I'm weak, then am I strong. Because you see, before God can ever use us, we got to get weak in our flesh. We're at the precipice, if you will, the edge of the cliff, if you will, of the very place that either the devil could take advantage of you through your flesh or God could add his strength and beyond your flesh, you can become an overcomer. But we have to get to that place. If we get from God the things that we need, we often have to get to the place of weakness so that we can reach out and receive what God has for us. Not too long ago, I cried out to the Lord in prayer. I said, Lord, I reach, I reach for your blood. I need your blood. In my weakness, God, I need your blood. And I reach for your blood, and instantly I felt the presence of God. Instantly, those unclean spirits that had tormented me fled. Because you see, even James says, humble yourself, therefore, under the mighty hand of God. When you humble yourself, then you can resist the devil and he'll flee from you. When the wicked... 
Even mine enemies and my foes came upon me to eat up my flesh. They stumbled and fell. Though an host should encamp against me, my heart shall not fear. Though war should rise against me, in this will I be confident. One thing, this is what I will be confident about, he said. You know, in another psalm, he said, I will dwell in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. That means that my heart will always be here. Always be here. He says, one thing of our desire to the Lord, and that will I seek after that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life. To behold the beauty of the Lord. What exactly is the beauty of the Lord? The beauty of the Lord is to find him in a manner which you've never found him before. There are so many things about God that we have no comprehension. Those of us that have been serving God for 20, 30, 40 years, going on 50, mine's 48 years. Sometimes you think, well, I know all the ropes now. I've been around long enough. I know how all this operates, and I know how God works. And then he pulls a fast one on you. Come up on your blind side, and you think, well, I didn't see that coming. There's more about God than we'll ever realize in the short time that God has allotted us to live on this earth very short time. But in the time in which we have, we need to seek after the beauty of the Lord. In the house of the Lord. Hallelujah. The beauty of his holiness is where one, one scripture puts it. In the house of the Lord. To behold the beauty of the Lord and to inquire in his temple. For in the time of trouble he shall hide me. In his pavilion, in the secret of his tabernacle, he shall hide me. What is the secret of his tabernacle? The holy place, and yea, even the holy of holies. He shall set me upon a rock. Now let's go to verse 6, if you're following with me. And now shall my head be lifted up above mine enemies round about me. Therefore will I offer in his tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Now, I want you to put this into perspective. We've been talking about trouble. We've been talking about being devoured by the, devoured by the enemy, trying to eat up our own flesh. We've been talking about some difficult times here. But now, he says, even though the enemies are all around me, I will offer up in his tabernacle there's a reason it's called sacrifices. I will offer up in this tabernacle sacrifices of joy. Every time that you magnify God and you're in hard times, it's a sacrifice of joy. But yet we know that we've 
come into the house of the Lord and that God is our protector. He does not always shield us from everything, but sometimes he allows pressure upon us to drive us to look for his beauty and to look for his power and to look for his demonstration, mighty revelations that God can reveal, but only through trouble. And that's why sometimes God removes his hand and allows trouble to come and you feel the pressure and the pain and the struggle. David called it a sacrifice of joy. I will sing, yea, I will sing praises unto the Lord. You can come to this house and sing songs all you want. David says, I'm going to do more and sing songs. <laughs> I'm going to make them praises. I'm going to sing praises unto the Lord. When I'm at the house of the Lord, it ain't going to be just singing songs. You ever been to churches where they sing songs? You think, man, it sounds so pretty, but there ain't no anointing there. Pardon me if I slaughter the king's language. Ain't no anointing there. But give me somebody that can get in the microphone and spend time before the Lord. Give me someone that, that maybe is in the chairs or the pews and uh, they, they spent time before the Lord and they began to sing. It's not just a song they're singing. They're singing praises unto the Lord. And then the tabernacle of the Lord, that's where we should be found, singing praises unto the Lord. Hear, O oh Lord, when I cry with my voice, have mercy also upon me and answer me. When thou saidest, seek ye my face, my heart said unto thee, thy face, O Lord, will I seek. There are times that you just feel frustrated and your spirit feels troubled and we mistake that for depression. Now, if you don't hear anything else I said, you need to hear this. We mistake it for depression. We, we feel down. We feel pressed. We feel frustrated. We just, nothing satisfies. And you think, my God, what's wrong with me? Nothing's wrong with you. The Lord is saying to your soul, seek my A lot of times we don't, we don't hear that. All we can hear is, I'm not happy. I'm going to have to find something to make me happy. Get in the car, let's go and spend a little bit of money. That's bound to make me happy. I'll tell you what, let's go eat out tonight. That'll make me feel better. Or i tell you what, invite our friends over. They can occupy our minds for a couple of hours. That's bound to make me feel better. By and by, the spirit lifts, and the will of God has been thwarted. And you've missed God a thousand miles, but you'll pay. You will pay.
because the enemy's waiting. Oh, God. David said, you spoke unto me. My Lord spoke to me, and he said to my soul, seek my face. The day before yesterday, I sat in my recliner, had my feet propped up, relaxing, but I just couldn't feel right. I thought it might be depression. I thought it might be something just just ain't settling right. I, I, I just maybe I just had a bad day. But then I knew. I knew what it was. I said, Oh my God. I've got to go talk to the Lord. I gotta go talk to him. And when I talked to him, oh, the tongues began to roll out of my mouth as I began to speak in that heavenly language. And then as I opened his word, God began to pour out what he wanted to say to me. And I thought, oh, my God, my flesh fought me hard. But David said, my soul said back, thy face. Will I seek thy face, Lord? Will I seek? How many times have you answered the Lord in the affirmative? How many times have you ignored it and passed it off as something else? I'm not getting a lot of shouts and amens tonight. Hide not thy face far from me, verse 9 says. Put not thy servant away in anger. Thou hast been my help. Leave me not, neither forsake me, O God of my salvation. This is the same man that just said God put him in his pavilion. And now he's saying, even though I'm in the house of God, even though I'm in the pavilion... I feel like God has hid his face from me. You ever felt like that before? You ever felt like God just didn't really have a lot to say to you? You ever been around somebody and they just, they really don't want to talk to you. They just kind of look away, you know. I'm going to tell you what now. I'm not going to have a long conversation and somebody won't look me in the eye. I understand there's bashful folks and all of that. I realize that. But I'm talking about somebody really would rather not have a conversation with me. You get to talking to them and they hem haw around, look at the ceiling, look over at the wall. You know, I'm done. I'm all in. What about when God hides his face? Go, God, don't hide your face from me. Maybe I need to do a little repenting. Maybe I need to do a little soul searching, make sure I haven't made a mistake. Listen to verse 10. When my father and my mother forsake me, then the Lord will take me up. 
What he is really saying here is when the closest to me don't want to have anything to do with me. When those that are closest to me begin to back away. I don't have to worry. I've got someone that I can call upon in the time of need. He's a friend that sticketh closer than a brother. Amen. But I'm still talking about the power of unanswered prayers. Here we find that David is still waiting on God to answer as he walks through each of these verses and he begins to describe the condition of his mind and his heart as he's waiting on God. First he sought God's face in the house of the Lord and now he finds that God seems distant but yet he knows even though God is distant, those as closest to him, when they back away, God will still be there. Verse 12, deliver me not over unto the will of mine enemies. For false witnesses are risen up against me, and as such as breathe out cruelty. You know the accuser of the brethren is. He showed up one day among the angels of the Lord. Where you been? I've been going to and fro in the earth. Oh, yeah? Well, I've got a, I've got a servant that I think can fit the bill of what you're looking for. You think that if there's nobody that will be faithful to you? Well, I've got. Have you considered my servant Job? Careful when God brags on you to the devil. It might flatter you at first, but hang on. It'll all go away quickly. Have you considered my, 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 my servant, Job? Well, you got all that protection around him, all those hedges and stuff. Ah, ain't no way I can get to him. You know the rest of the story. Fine, I'll take away the hedges, but his life is mine. And he comes back again, oh, skin for skin, if you can let me touch his body, he'll curse you to your face. Just remember, his life is mine. You know the long story. I would imagine the hardest part wasn't the boils. Hardest part was maybe not even losing the kids, although that's pretty tough. But after they're gone and they're buried and you have to move on, there's somebody else sitting there staring at you. Who would that be? His closest friends. And they're accusing him of doing things wrong and being a hypocrite. And he's got to put up with them through his entire trial. Not to mention that his wife lost her face to just curse God and die. It's pretty tough when your spouse says die. He was waiting on an answer from God. An unanswered prayer. Did he ever get what he prayed for? I'm not sure. But he got what God wanted him to have. There are times that we ask God and we pray in earnest sincerity. Oh God, would you do thus and such? 
And God who sees and knows all understands that we don't know all. And sometimes in the unanswered prayers, God may never answer just like you expected. He may not give you what you ask for, but he'll give you exactly what you need. I had fainted unless I had believed to see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Now let's pause right here. I did a little digging on this verse. And I must confess I came up with a surprise. Well, Justin, if I were to ask you, and I am, what's the word wait mean? Tell me what, what you understand the word wait to be. It's good. Somebody else want to take a crack at it? What's wait mean? Stand still. Both of these are accurate, brother. To serve. Okay, that's good. Let me show you what I found in the original text. This is the original Hebrew. I won't attempt to pronounce the Hebrew word, so don't get excited. But here's what it is interpreted as. To bind together. By twisting, to collect, together, together, to expect. The power of the unanswered prayer causes me to take that which I do have. While I'm waiting. I'm not going to just sit here and fret. I'm going to be twisting together everything that God has given me to sustain me until the answer comes that I need from him. I may not understand, but I'm going to gather and collect everything that God has given me and promised me, and I know it is true, then I will gather them together and twist them together such as like a strong cord to hold me fast, that when the winds begin to blow, I'm not going anywhere, because honey, I'm waiting on that which I have prepared. I prepared my soul to wait upon God. Well, not well, it's well. Put a P on the end of it. Well, I'm waiting. Sure wish God hurry. I'm waiting. That's what most of us do. And by and by. 
the devil comes and whispers in my ear some things that I ought not hear because I have not been properly waiting on God. Thank you, devil. But waiting... God has given me and promised me and wind them together, twist them together into a strong cord that I can grab hold of and remain strong until the time comes that the prayer is answered in due season. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage. Surprise number two. The word, it's actually a phrase. Be of good courage is all one word. I'll not say that Hebrew word for fear you would laugh at me. Three words, be of good courage. That's four words, be of good courage. Do you learn how to count? Is a Hebrew word that is translated to fasten upon. Hence, to seize, to be strong, to be obstinate. Now there's a $10 word. What does it mean to be obstinate? Stubborn. Hard-headed. Good thing there's none of those here. Well, I got one honest hand. Sister Ava put her hand up there. Obstinate. To bind. To restrain. To conquer. To harden. To mend to behave oneself valiantly, to be established. And I thought it was just have a good attitude. No, I'm going to run back through them again just in case you missed all of that. To fasten upon, hence to seize, be strong, obstinate, to bind, restrain, conquer, to harden, to mend, to behave oneself valiantly, to be established. Take all of that and put it this way. Wait upon the Lord. Be of good courage. So my waiting isn't just timidly standing around, wringing my hands, hoping that God will finally come through. No, my waiting is gathering the things together that God has given me to hold on to. And then I'm gonna have an attitude against the enemy. I'm gonna be wild. I'm gonna be hard. I'm gonna be strong, obstinate. I will hold on. I will see. Amen. Amen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 
stand because you've done these two things. Wait and be a good courage. Two words. Hebrew language. You've done them both. And because you've done both, there is a promise. He shall strengthen thine heart. Not your flesh, but that which is inside. Wait, I say, upon the Lord. I'm learning how to lean and depend on the Lord. Sister Carriana, you didn't know what my message was going to be. Every word is steadfast. His promises are sure. He will never lead where he hasn't gone before. I'm learning how to lean and depend on the Lord. How do I do that? I wait upon the Lord. The power of unanswered prayer. Why is there so much power associated with an unanswered prayer? Because it causes you to wait. You start to gather them together things that don't make sense. God did this over here and he did this over here and he happened then and he promised that all of it is kind of all hanging loose. But I gather them together and I say it all belongs to God but yet I'm going to twist it all together and I'm going to hold on to it and I will be of good courage. I will be wild. I'll be strong. Oh yes I will. And God said I'll strengthen your heart. Luke chapter 11. And I'm going to try to hurry. You know Pastor Moats. I'm not going to tell you I'll be short-winded. I can remember a day when Brother Justin was short-winded. Those days are gone. Hallelujah. Praise God. It's all right. He joined the ranks. Amen. Luke chapter 11. Let's just start with verse 1. Good place. And it came to pass. I'd like to stop right there. And see, that's one of my favorite passages of Scripture. It came. But thank God it passed. (laughs) Troubles will come. And troubles will go. With Jesus, they're not going to hang around long. Mm, Glory, hallelujah. And it came to pass that, as he's praying in a certain place, when he ceased, one of his disciples said unto him, Lord, teach us to pray. As John taught his disciples. Question. If you were to pray today in front of people, I'm talking about a time of prayer. 
and you got done. Reckon there would be anybody that would say, I want to pray like that. Here's a good one. Oh, God. got done praying a group of men come to him we won't learn how to pray because you see there is an art to praying granted God will hear the cry of a righteous child he'll hear a sinner's repentance that's all the sinner doesn't repent God doesn't listen to a sinner's prayer until he repents But for the child of God, you know, sometimes we have to do a little repenting too. But here was the Lord praying, and they wanted to know how to pray because, after all, there is a skill to praying. You know something, and I say this with all sincerity. I've been preaching for over 40 years, 42 to be exact. And I've seen some that have been in church as long as I've been preaching, and they still don't know how to pray. They know how to ask petition prayers when they get in a jam. Oh, God, please help me. God in his mercy, he'll help them. But that's not true praying. That's just getting your wish list completed. But to pray, there is an art to it, an approach. And so Jesus, he says, verse 2, he said unto them, when you pray, say. Now one translation puts it after this manner, pray ye. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Well, who's the name of the Father? Jesus said, I've come in my Father's name, so holy or hallowed is your name. So you need to pray in the name of Jesus. Scripture also says, whatsoever you do in word or deed, do all. Is prayer a deed? Is something you do? Then pray in the name of Jesus. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom. I want the power of the kingdom here. Thy kingdom come. Let it be here with me. Thy will be done. Well, there's a tough one. He could have prayed all night and not said that one. Because a lot of times our will is the biggest problem of a prayer. We want it our way. One of the last songs they tell me that Elvis Presley sang was, I did it my way. He sure did. 
Do you know he was baptized in Jesus' name? In 1955 by Rex Dyson, who had an apostolic church in Memphis that they moved down the street from. This is true. This is true. He baptized Elvis and Gladys and Vernon. That was extra, no extra charge. Let's put that in there. Hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done. As in heaven, so in earth. You know God's will is always done in heaven? But when he moves on you to seek his face and you don't do it, guess what? His will is not always done in earth. Boy, I'm getting less amens as I go along. Praise God. You know I'll have to start repeating myself. You don't want that to happen now, would you? Give us day by day our daily bread. You got to have something every day from God, not just once in a while, not just on Sunday and Wednesdays. If you wait till Wednesday to get what you need from God or you wait till Sunday, you're already half backslid time you get there. Oh, praise God. Hallelujah. And forgive us our sins. There it is. For we forgive everyone that is indebted to us. Oftentimes our sins are the fact that we hold grudges against somebody else. Say, well, they did me wrong. You're to forgive them. Well, I'll forgive them this time, but I tell you what, they better come crawling back to me. I don't find that in Scripture. But I'll tell you what I do find is a 70 times 7 principle. You forgive them every time you feel the pain, whether or not they ever ask for your forgiveness. You forgive them over and over again. This prayer is prayed when you pray. Be sure your sins are taken care of at the door, including those against your brother. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Somebody said, well, now how in the world? Why would God say a prayer like that? Lead us not into temptation. It's like this. If you don't follow the will of God, then God has no alternative but to remove the hedge and let the enemy come in and buffet you. And you'll do one of two things. You'll either move away from God or you'll repent and you'll get closer to God. And Jesus said you need to pray that that temptation never comes. That your heart be where it should be, where God don't have to go to the extremes and remove the hedge. Lead us not into temptation. But here's what you need to do. Deliver us from evil. And he said unto them, Which of you should have a friend and should go unto him at midnight and say unto him, Friend, lend me three loaves. For a friend of mine his journey has come to me and I have nothing to set before him. And he from within shall answer and say, don't bug me right now. Don't you know what time it is? Don't you have a watch, fool? Well, it doesn't say that, but. (laughs) Trouble me not. The door is now shut. We figured that part out. That's the one I knocked on. And my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give thee. 
Well, we tried. No, it's not the way that it works. There's a principle here. Just, just ride with me a little bit longer. And I say unto you, though he will not rise and give him because he's his friend, yet because of his importunity, hmm, there's that stubborn streak again. He will rise and give him as many as he needeth. And I say unto you, ask and it shall be given you, seek and you shall find, knock and it shall be opened unto you. Let's look at that principle real quick. Ask. That's the first part. At midnight you go to the friend and you say, friend, lend me three loaves. You get a negative response. Not right now. It's not a good time. Time ain't right. Doors shut, kids in bed, lights is out. Not a good time. You don't want me waking these rowdy kids up. I've already got them quiet. Come on, some of you parents got little ones you understand what I'm talking about. You get them to bed, you want to stay that way. You get them up in the wee hours in the morning, you ain't going to get them back to bed. You ask. No answer. Not the one you needed. Then you begin to seek. Seek, and you shall find. Knock, and it shall be opened unto you. A-S-K. Ask. If you don't ask, you have not because you didn't open your mouth. Well, God knows all about it. That's not the principle doesn't matter what God knows or doesn't know. He wants you to do what's required of you, and that's to open your mouth and speak in faith, asking. He expects it of you. Doesn't matter if he knows your need. Of course he knows your need, but he wants you to do your part. It's called faith and obedience hooked together. It's the only way you'll get anything from God is faith and obedience. Double first cousins ride together. Faith and obedience. Ask. I've asked. Well, I've asked. God didn't answer, Brother Justin. Woe is me. I think I'll go eat worms. Woe is me. I've asked. God must not love me because I ask. Now, I went in faith. I did everything I was supposed to do. No, you didn't. You did the first third. Then there's the next level of desperation. Asking doesn't take much of you. You just open your mouth and use the vocal cords and the tongue that God gave you. And a little bit of wind would help. Other than that, no big deal. Now God's wanting us to move to the next level of our prayer. It's an unanswered prayer. And we need that prayer answered. But yet it didn't get answered over here to ask. So I moved to the next dimension. Seeking God. How do I seek Him? Start in His Word. God, speak to me in Your Word. I'm looking for You. I've asked, but my prayer is unanswered. You see, God's building a power within you from this unanswered prayer. And then we move into seeking, fasting. It's another dimension of seeking God. 
When's the last time you fasted? Easy to find excuse. Our old gut will help us out anytime we want. You want to know who's really in charge? Try fasting today. You'll find out who's in charge. Seeking God's face. But yet, I sought. I asked and I did not receive. I sought. But I did not find. And a lot of folks, when they fast, it didn't happen. You know, fasting's not a, some kind of a magic wand you pull out and wave over it. I say unto you, I have fasted. Now move. I don't find biblical principle for that. It's not some kind of magic talisman that you can use. It's obedience. It's part of the equation. But it's not the whole of the equation. I have fasted. But yet, I've sought. But I have yet to find. And the devil come along. We had one up there. I'm going to let him rest. The devil come along and said, I see you've been asking. Did you receive? I noticed you've been fasting. Believe the devil knows when you're fasting. Read about that in Isaiah. I noticed you've been fasting. Did you find what you were looking for? Ain't gonna happen. You may as well give up now. I've seen them do it. Pitch in the towel. Well, I went the whole enchilada. No, you didn't. There's still one other portion that you got to add to that. Who's got some real hard knuckles? I'm looking at a man that can do it. Although he's got a he's got a wound. He's got a wound. Brother Preston, got some pretty tough knuckles. Why don't you come up here and pound on this, this altar for me, would you mind? I was hear a little bit of knocking. I see you've been knocking. The door is still shut. What you going to do about it? door open yet? Not yet. What you going to do about it? Thank you, Brother Justin. Brother Preston. You understand the dynamics of prayer and the power of unanswered prayer. God says, I'll push you all the way to knocking. Oh, my God, I felt the Holy Ghost about right there. I don't know about the rest of you, but I felt an angel about right there. <laughs> God says, I'll push you all the way to knocking. 
You keep asking, and you keep seeking, and you keep right on knocking. That's in the book, honey. That's straight out of the book. And that's the dynamic of prayer that Jesus taught directly after the prayer that the disciples heard him tell. He said, you need to pray after this manner. And then he goes and tells the parable and shows how you are to pray. Oh, my God, if you don't have an answer, that means you just keep on doing what you been doing. You keep asking. You keep seeking. You keep knocking. And God will provide the answer. It will come in due season and in due time. But in the meantime, God's putting strength in your spirit. He's putting something in you that you didn't have before. And it would have never came unless you had the unanswered prayer. So don't get frustrated when God doesn't give you an answer to your prayer. He's just going to take the long route. And he's, while he's doing it, he's going to put something in you that will sustain you for the next battle. And Brother Charles, that's why I go back to Psalm 27. And I see the beauty of the Lord. I see his beauty. What beauty? The beauty of the fact that he puts something in my system that I did not expect. Well, I thought if I praise God enough and I worship God enough, that'd be all. And I'd get my answer. Surprise, surprise, surprise. There are times that praise and asking is not enough. You got to seek. Put some of that word in your system. Don't just read to spill time, but say, God, speak to me. What would you have for me to read today? Been reading out of the book of James here lately. Plain spoken gentleman. You, you know, it ain't like Paul's readings where you had to say, well, let me. Time to get out the concordance. Get out something so I can see exactly what he's trying. I with James, like, oh, okay. I get that. If you don't get that, you're dumb as a post. Brother Mahaney would say, ignorant as a load of wood. Hallelujah. Praise God. But let me finish this up. For everyone that asketh receiveth, and he that seeketh findeth to him that knocketh it shall be opened. If a son shall ask bread of any of you that is a father, will he give him a stone? Or if he a fish, will he for a fish give him a serpent? Or if he ask an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? If ye then, being evil, know how to give good gifts unto your children, how much more shall your heavenly Father give the Holy Spirit to them that ask him? It's not that God withholds because he takes special delight in seeing you sweat 
wipe my sweat, praise God. It's not that God takes special delight in seeing you suffer. No. No. But like Peter said, he wants to establish, strengthen, and settle you. And that only comes through trouble and unanswered prayer. And the unanswered prayer will propel you into something greater in the spirit than you would have ever got if God had answered all your prayers right away. Every time I prayed, God says, got it. Happening tomorrow. It'll be there today. Well, after a while, man, I'd get full of myself. Boy, you know, I can just snap a finger. God will just move whenever I feel good and ready. God's not going to have that. But he wants a child that will remain faithful. Hallelujah. Stand with me tonight. The power of unanswered prayer. The unanswered prayer holds its own power. It can sustain you when you learn how to wait. Waiting ain't just sitting around. Be of good courage ain't just having a nice attitude. Uh-uh. You become warrior-like. And asking's not all that it should be. It's asking and seeking and knocking and then doing it continually until the answer comes. We serve a great God. He's laid it out for us. But a lot of times we just don't want to obey. When the Lord says, seek my face, what are you going to do? Well, you know, God, after I paint my barn, or I've got this to do, I got this to take care of. Oh, I just forgot. I got to go pay that bill right now. You know, the best way to remember things that I've forgotten, pull the Bible out. All of a sudden, I can remember everything I forgot. Oh, hello, hello, hello. I know I'm not the only one. Oh, but I want to see God move. If my prayers are unanswered, it's because God is waiting for me to take the next step. If I've taken all the steps, and I continue making those steps until the answer comes. Can you thank the Lord for his word tonight?